0: Episode twenty-three of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the eighties, nineties, and even into the twenty-first century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we're going to discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, now, this week here, uh, I, again, I am joined here with my co-host Eva Stanley. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, we are going to talk <laughs> about a. We're going to talk about a sequel this year or this time. Uh, This is actually something that I had posted up, and and I'm loving this because I posted this up here as a hint on our Facebook page uh, over at Talking About My Generation. I posted up a picture of an NES Advantage, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were going, oh, my God, is that from The Wizard? No, folks, (laughs) no, folks. Good guesses, good guesses, but no. This is actually from a 1989 film uh supernatural comedy it is from ghostbusters 2
1: awesome
0: yes uh this was directed and produced by ivan reitman just like the first one uh Mm -hmm. it basically picks up kind of after where everything happened here in the first movie when uh uh, they had the you know they they blew up uh the stay puff marshmallow man picks up a couple months after that Uh, actually i
1: thought it was five years later wasn't that five years later
0: um, uh, you know, I, I
1: believe it was five years later. Cause I think that's the first with the opening scene. It says five years later.
0: M- oh, you know what? I am. You were right. Because they had the yeah. whole Oscar thing and, and the baby and yep. all that. My God. Yep. Wow. How am I screwing this up? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Thank you. It's all good. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, it, it is a, you know, it basically follows the <laughs> further antics. Everybody's kind of going around here. Uh, movie made. Two hundred and fifteen million dollars worldwide, but wow. you know, it, pretty good chunk of change. But it really, I'm going to be honest, it was not as good as the first one. It just, I agree, just did not capture the same magic.
1: I agree, and that to me is kind of it. it I kind of expect that with sequels, it's rare for me to find a sequel that I think is as good or better than the first. So I'm not yeah. really surprised there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of the few sequels that I've seen that I thought were better, uh, you know, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. I thought that was much that was better than the first one.
1: Yeah, uh, that was a good.
0: You know, part of it was the special effects. Part of it was that uh-huh. you know Robert Patrick and Arnold coming back, and Arnold being actually a little bit more filled out. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I guess I liked that one a lot better. Ghostbusters 2, just
1: yeah. There were what I what I felt watching it was there were a lot of like cute one-liners and I liked the chemistry between the characters and you know the soundtrack was pretty good you know totally cheesetastic 80s you know but but in turn and the plot you know of course being the subject matter you know is ghosts you know of course far fetched and it's not going to be believable um the plot was was interesting um but yeah it it did lack the same kind of magic, I think,
0: yeah, it just I mean even Bill Murray said he goes, You know what? this was not one of our better films.
1: did he say that really? He
0: actually said that to Entertainment Weekly. He was like, mm, wow. you know
1: so, I'll be yeah,
0: but let's go ahead and jump into the cast here on this film here, so we can kind of kind of okay. talk about who was in this who film and who's who. uh We'll start off here. I, I already mentioned Bill Murray, so we'll jump in with him." Uh, he uh-huh. plays as Peter Venkman, uh, which oh. you guys probably should remember from the very first film. Uh, yeah. uh, Bill has done quite a few other roles here. Uh, he was in Caddyshack as the groundskeeper,
1: uh-huh.
0: know, running around chasing the gopher. Uh, well, he's also been the voice of Garfield in the Garfield movie. With, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was, he was Garfield in uh, the live-action movie that they did with Meyer and um, Jennifer Love Hewitt.
1: Oh, I did not know that. Very cool. Uh,
0: and then, of course, he did one role which I really kind of li- liked him in. Uh, he played himself as a zombie in the uh-huh. movie *Zombieland*.
1: I've never seen that. How many- he played oh. himself? That's
0: yeah, cool. th- there's a whole bit with uh, with Woody Harrelson's character uh, Tallahassee screaming at him, "Bill freaking Murray! It's Bill <laughs> Murray! Oh my god!" <laughs> you know, so oh,
1: no.
0: you know that that's going on, and he's like. And of course, when he dies in that film, they're, they're, they have a spot where he dies, and they go, "Do you have any regrets?" Uh, <laughs> no. Well, maybe Garfield, and then he cries. Oh, so.
1: I'm surprised he didn't say Ghostbusters too. How funny! No,
0: no. But but uh, you know, yeah, it was it was he was okay in this one. Here, he still had. I think that Bill Murray was the one who was carrying this film. To be honest, it I just, agree.
1: I was just gonna say that he he had most of the one liners, the best lines. Um, he had to me it he just had um if there was a spark in this movie it came from him i believe yeah yeah you know uh, i definitely and i liked the chemistry between him and sigourney weaver too i think that, that was really what i enjoyed the most about the film yeah. um it was just their their overall chemistry
0: you know and it was like i i was really kind of bummed because like when they when we went in to go talk about the next guy here in the cast dan Aykroyd. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd, he played his Raymond Stance in this film, just like he did in the first one. Mm-hmm. And just was like, even in the first one, he was kind of the goofy nerdy type with all the ghosts and everything kind of surprised and had more energy in that. This, it was kind of like, yeah, mm, he's off to the side. And I, and
1: I noticed that too. You're
0: right. I'm not sure why that was, why he, cause he was, he and, um, Harold Ramis were the two writers of this film and I'm not yeah. sure why they pulled themselves back so much in this film and why they kind of just weren't as big of a characters in this film.
1: I was just going to mention that, that I noticed that, you know, when they, after I watched the movie and the credits, I'm like, Oh, he helped to write this. And I did kind of notice that his character was downplayed quite a bit. Yeah. huh? I wonder if it's got to be intentional, maybe to give the other actors more of a spotlight, maybe to emphasize the chemistry between because, you know, in this one, you know, Dana and Peter do get back together. You know, that's kind of the side story. Um, yeah. I, I'm wondering if that's kind of what they were thinking is to kind of take, take a step back as the writers. And I don't know if they produced it as well or, you know, if they took any other role, you know, behind the scenes. But, yeah. I, I wouldn't I be surprised.
0: That. But, you know, I, I maybe it was – maybe Dan was just working on other things at the same time it and they didn't be, have. It
1: could be. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, I mean, he has had quite a few big roles. I mean, especially when we look at him being, uh, Sergeant Joe Friday in the movie spoof Dragnet, uh, being Elwood blues and blues brothers and blues brothers, 2000. Uh, and then he was also, he picked up Bill Murray's role. He, he played basically the same character that Bill Murray did in Caddyshack two. He was the groundskeeper in Caddyshack two.
1: I never saw that. Oh, wow.
0: it's pretty bad. Caddyshack is the one you oh. want to remember. Caddyshack 2, uh-huh. you don't want to remember at all.
1: Okay, yeah. So, Typical sequel. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's it's pretty bad. It's like they captured lightning in a bottle of Caddyshack. Did not do it for yeah. for the sequel.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: <laughs> so, uh, moving down the list here, Sigourney Reaver... Bleh, <laughs> Sigourney <laughs> Reaver, uh reprises her role as Dana Barrett. Uh, uh-huh. Again, she's probably, you know she's probably best remembered for her role as protagonist Ripley in the aliens films. Yeah. Uh, she is mostly, most recently she probably appeared in James Cavern's uh, avatar for which
1: uh-huh.
0: I'm going to be That's honest. Right. Anytime I bring that movie up from now on, I'm going to be referring to it as dances with Smurfs.
1: Thank you. <laughs> you know,
0: if anybody has seen uh-huh. dances with wolves, if you've seen the South yeah. park spoof, you know, uh-huh. they, they ripped it to shreds. It's dances with Smurfs. That's all there is to I- it.
1: I agree. I like it.
0: You know, but she was okay in this film. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked her a little bit better in this, but it was kind of like, she's getting a little long in the tooth. You thought so? Yeah. I've, you know, I don't understand why people find her like hot and attractive. I've never
1: Yeah. thought
0: she was like one of those beauties, but
1: not at all, but she's a good actress. Um, yeah. She's not unattractive for sure, but she, um, yeah, I, I I like her acting. Um, maybe, she just does because, about her.
0: Yeah, maybe just because she's been more of a hard ass playing in, in the aliens films and you know. I,
1: it could very well be because she's not what I would call a classic beauty. She's not what I'd say, you know, she's feminine, but it's very understated. So it's, you know, but I think the fact that she's a, you know, a very, in my opinion, she's a great actress. You know, yeah. it makes it memorable. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I agree. It was, um, I what I found weird, just you know, why I was just like, okay, this movie took place five years later, and she was married, divorced, had been with Vanekman, and had a kid, and I'm like. All of that happened in a five-year time span. Holy shit! (laughs) Yeah. So to me, it was just kind of like maybe they should have fast-forwarded it. Maybe ten years? Well, no, not ten years. I mean, eight or you know, maybe eight years. I you know, it just yeah. I don't know. There was a
0: lot going on. They crammed into a five-year period. I mean, it's. I agree. It's certainly possible. You know, she was let. Let's say she was with Venkman for a year. Okay, fine. Yeah,
1: they of, split yeah. up.
0: She meets the other guy. She has a kid with him. You know, she finds out she's pregnant. They stay together right up until the baby's born. And then he decides, oh, I'm going to go to Vienna and I'm done with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's something where they were together for only a couple of years. And I could find, you know, that's believable. I, I, I can get that. But at the same
0: time, there's a lot that was happening there, you know?
1: Yeah. And I thought that was right off the bat. I, You know, I'm just like wow, only five years have passed and she's broken up with, you know, Vankman and gotten married and had this baby. And, you know, she, obviously she was very slender in the movie too. And I've been pregnant three times and I can tell you, you know, yeah. having a baby, you it just, she didn't, you know, she, I, I could see maybe she you know, putting on a little bit of weight for the role. I I don't know. There was just a lot of things that bugged me. Um, yeah you know, I don't want to pick this movie apart because I do have a fondness for it because when I saw it, when it, you know, we were what, 12, when it came out, yeah. 12, 11. Um, and you know, I was a fan of the Ghostbusters franchise. I think, didn't they have those proton packs like and toys?
0: Oh yeah. They had the proton packs. I... They had, you know, play yeah. sets because they had the whole, they had the whole real Ghostbusters cartoon, which that's one I want to get into later as a separate episode. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, we, We'll definitely mention that here at the end because there's there's some yeah. bits of trivia that I have about that with tie-ins. Oh, very
1: cool! You know, so I have I have a fondness for it because I remember you know playing with the toys and watching the movies and yeah. you know it was something that I grew up. But but yeah, there were things that just kind of did not gel with me about this one.
0: Yeah, you know it's sure. I don't know I I you know speaking of to to speak of a, as another writer, we'll jump in with Harold Ramis. Um, Uh I'm going to kind of nail Harold a little bit here because he really, again, he plays as Egon Spengler and he was kind of just, he was a little bit more likable and a little bit more comedic in this one, Mm -hmm. but still, still just not there. I got the feeling like he was kind of phoning this in.
1: You know, I've never seen him in anything else. I don't know what else he's been in, but he's very, I don't want to say robotic. Um, but yeah, not a very expressive and maybe that's just his whole persona, maybe that's really how he is. You know, know.
0: You know, it really is because he he was in uh, he was in Stripes with Bill Murray and John that's Candy.
1: right, and I never and I never saw that. But he, I, yeah. I'm he familiar.
0: basically plays that still you know, the same goofy nerdy type that he played oh, here and it's yeah. It's almost identical. And you know, the, one of the fewer one of the other films which I've seen where he's kind of played more of a grown-up type role. Uh, he played as Seth Rogen's dad in uh, the movie Knocked Up, and it was a very small um, yes. role, but he's kind of You're there. Right. He's, you know, he's kind of telling him, "Hey, you know, step up, step up, You're you know, right. own up and everything." I
1: about that, yeah, that's right. And he was, you know, gray in that one, you know, older and gray. I remember, yeah. but yeah, he doesn't see, He's not a very expressive actor. Yeah. Uh, not that he's not that he's bad but maybe he's just more comfortable you know writing and and producing that's you know? kind of what
0: I get the feeling of is that Harold is he's a much better writer than he is an actor and just
1: I agree I know, agree
0: nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with it I, I feel that if you can write and you can get your stuff out there and if that's where you have your talents do that
1: exactly yeah
0: but uh, now moving down the list on our cast here the next person here I I kind of have mixed feelings about him because he's he is dynamic and he's not to some extent. Uh Rick Moranis. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: yeah. Rick yeah. Moranis
0: plays as Louis Tully. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: He's done quite a bit of work actually. He's not been just, oh, yeah. you know, just Ghostbusters, although that's where so many people remember him. Oh yeah. Hi guys. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. You know, you really should have your taxes done correctly here because you know, uh, you're going to have you're going to have a whole bunch of stuff and I can really save you a lot of money type thing. You know, Moranis yeah. is great for that. That was
1: pretty good. See? That was pretty good. <laughs> you know, uh,
0: you know, I, I, I loved his scenes, you know, when he, especially when he was sitting there in the first one he's going on, Oh yeah. How do you guys like that salmon here? Oh uh, yeah. Normally it's 1495, but I got it for 1250 a pound and it's great stuff. You know, uh, I, I yep. love Rick Moranis for that, but that's not his typical characters. I mean, even he plays, he's played that sort of role here when he was doing uh, strange brew with uh, John Candy and they were kind of talking about their beer that they were going to be brewing and it's get, you know, kind of sketch comedy, a spinoff from, uh, SCTV. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was him, him and Bob are drinking a bunch of labat up in Canada, you know, and that was, you know, same <laughs> yeah. type of character, not much <laughs> different. Uh, and yeah. then of course he had in one of my favorites that I really want to cover this. And, uh, I, I know quite a few people who have already said they want to guest host when I do this episode. They want to talk about Spaceballs. And, yeah. you know, he's surrounded by a bunch of assholes in Spaceballs. Uh, oh,
1: you know, I uh, – oh, my goodness. I know I've seen that movie, but I don't remember it. Oh, my god! Oh, my God.
0: You do not remember Dark Helmet.
1: No. I don't remember. I'm, I know I've seen it. <laughs> oh. Now, am I – okay. Now, okay, who else was in that? Was Dennis Quaid in that?
0: No, it was uh, Bill Paxton – uh, John oh. Candy, uh, Daphne oh, Zuniga, God. um Mel Brooks. Uh, oh
1: I know I've seen that. And I, which movie am I thinking of where it wasn't, uh, maybe it wasn't Dennis Quaid. Maybe I'm getting the wrong act. Maybe it was just Rick Moranis where he's like, he gets swallowed and he's inside somebody's body. What movie was that? Oh,
0: that was Inner Space with, uh, Martin Interspace. Short. Martin okay, I got I
1: got those two confused. Okay. I don't I'm sure I've seen Spaceballs. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, it's it's a rip-off of um of like Star Wars and Star Trek and Planet ah. of the Apes. It, it's basically just a complete spoof of all that Mel Brooks did it.
1: Oh my god, I need to see that. Okay. yes,
0: yes it is a great film. <laughs> but, so yeah, Rick Moranis he was okay in this film. I mean, again, smaller yeah. part, still playing the nervous accountant that he played before. Yeah, I think
1: he did what I think he did well. I think he did, well. I think yeah. he did well. It was a likable character, but
0: uh-huh. you know, uh, now his girlfriend in this film, uh, she kind of becomes more of a girlfriend. She wants to date him, which I thought yeah. was kind of an interesting twist.
1: I thought so uh, too.
0: Annie Potts played as Janine Melnitz, yes. And yes. now Annie Potts, I have to say whatever the hell that they did, the, it, it really pissed me off because the first movie you see her with her natural hair color, kind of the spiky hair and she still had this kind of
1: oh, yeah. blonde
0: attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever type thing.
1: Uh-huh, she had that uh-huh. going on
0: and it was great.
1: But yeah.
0: when they brought her back for Ghostbusters 2, some idiot slapped a red wig on her head yeah to make her look more like the cartoon character from real ghostbusters
1: oh and Shoot i never that I've asshole never, that, <laughs> oh no you know you're right cuz in the first one yeah she looked different of course it, being 5 years later you know maybe that that could be explained it was 5 years later but yeah, the wig was, yeah, it was awful.
0: It it looked awful. And then they put that and they put those huge ass glasses on her and they made her look even yeah. more nerdy. Like she, yeah. you know, it was kind of, I understand that they were trying to bookend the two together and put them, put her and, and, you know, Lewis Tully together, but it was just that's like. That's
1: exactly, that's gotta be why they did it. That's gotta be because to make it, to make it look like, okay, these two nerds, you know, belong together. I bet you that's why they did that.
0: Yeah, it just did not work for me unfortunately. I, like, I agree.
1: I agree. It just it it seemed it it just seemed kind of forced.
0: Yeah. Now, no. to give people a little bit of background on Annie, she's done quite a bit. We've covered her before several times on the mm-hmm. podcast. Uh uh-huh. as as we mentioned before, she was in Pretty in Pink uh with yep. Molly Ringwald. Uh she played a hard-hitting teacher on the TV adaptation of uh Dangerous Minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she was also Bo Peep in Toy Story.
1: Yep. Uh, So
0: a couple of things to pull out from there on her. Uh, Now, next guy down the list here, uh, he is one of the four Ghostbusters. Uh, We have Ernie Hudson. Uh, Mm -hmm. He plays Winston Zedmore in this film. Uh, And I kind of liked him, but I kind of got the feeling like he was cast like he in this role here. He was kind of more of a, a goofy character. Uh huh. Whereas in the first one, he was kind of like. He was kind of more the voice of reason in some respects. I, and I, I saw that, that and thought, okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. This was just like he was more. I hate saying this because it's going to make me sound like a complete asshole racist type thing, but it's the best way I can describe it. it, it he reminded me more of like a step and fetch it type character. And for I those people actually... who don't know who that is. Step and Fetch, it was a character from the 1930s uh, mm-hmm. who basically really made fun of himself and was kind of this black stereotype. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's absolutely horrible to see this. He was, he was the racist stereotype, the racial stereotype that everybody saw of black people back in the thirties and forties, back in some of the yeah. early films. And so yeah. just to see this, it was kind of like, why, 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 you know?
1: I. You know, maybe, again, this was all kind of intentional to just show a progression or a growth. Because you know, a lot of people change over a five-year period. So maybe it was like, they, maybe they put a touch of change in, other than vankman's character. Because was, you know, pretty much the same in both movies, kind of the comedic you know, yeah the, uh, you know, but I, I noticed there was changes, you know, Dana with the baby and um you know, maybe they just did that deliberately to kind of show the progression and the change over
0: I, I guess. I I have to say I just don't think it was I I, I can say that it I do not work. It wasn't him. It was not Ernie Hudson. It was No, I the,
1: agree. I agree. You
0: know, it was the way that the film was written and the way yeah. that his character was yeah. written, and the lines that he was given. Uh because he has done some wonderful things. Uh, he's played Doctor Fields on Secret Life of the American Teenager.
1: Oh, uh-huh. uh
0: huh. He plays an excellent role in that, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he played as World, Warden Leo Glynn in Oz, uh, the oh, HBO series okay. Oz, and that's oh my god, he was nasty in that I mean, very oh, dark, cool. uh, great, great role, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, mm-hmm. total change from what he was here. Uh, and then he also plays his agent, William Fowler on, uh, the cartoon show TV, uh, Transformers prime. Uh huh. Uh, so for those of you who are Transformers fans, uh, you may recognize the voice from there. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked him just, he was not as dynamic in this film as he was in the first one. And again, as <laughs> I mentioned, I, I don't think they caught it here <laughs> at all. For yeah. This.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: Uh, Especially when they bring in the next character we're going to talk about, uh, Peter McNichol. Now, uh-huh. Peter McNichol, I've seen him in other roles. I've liked him in other things. He's a good actor. Uh-huh. But Janice Paz- Poha, or however you said his name, Janice.
1: Yo, oh, Janusz. Was it Janusz? Yeah,
0: Janusz. That's what it was. Thank yeah, you. yeah. It was the goofiest fucking thing I've ever seen.
1: Oh, it was awful. It was so awful. And I was going to ask you, what was the accent supposed to be? Or, or was that It was explained- it was
0: something that he made up. It was supposed to be because he oh. originally in the in the story was that he was going to be a descendant of Carpathia. Okay. And so he kind of came up with this whole role and he practiced this accent and trying to make it make it uh kind of Romanian and Transylvanian and you know, yeah. Eastern Lot. Yeah. It just was, I was like, what the hell? You know? I,
1: I actually, I did too. I was like, what the
0: fuck? It, it was
1: so overdone. Yeah. It just, <laughs> is he related to Christy McNichol? I think so. Yeah. The name struck me as being familiar. I wonder if they're brother and sister.
0: They might huh. be. I, I know that he's yeah. done quite a few other things here. Uh, yeah. He – like I said, he has one of these faces that you don't necessarily – you kind of go, okay, where have I seen him before? before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: He played opposite Rowan Atkinson in the movie Bean.
1: Oh, that's right. Okay. I love that movie. Okay, yeah. Uh,
0: He's also played as Dr. Larry Flying on the TV series Numbers.
1: Oh, okay. I've never seen that.
0: Cool. Uh, And then he was recently in the movie Battleship, which again was forgettable, don't bother. Oh, okay. um, as the secretary of defense.
1: hmm.
0: Okay. So he's, he's, he's made his rounds. He, he is an actor. I will give him that. He's, yeah. he's good at what he does, but again, not good in this film. I did not like him, even though he was one of the main characters, kind of one of the villains. Just.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. It just was too, it was too weird. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, now a couple of other characters we've got, uh, Kurt Fuller who played as Jack yeah. Hardemeyer.
1: Yeah, but he always plays such a douchebag, doesn't he? he doesn't yeah, well, he, was,
0: he wasn't he was too bad in Wayne's World, because when he was in Wayne's World, it was kind of like, he was just kind of there, and he was kind of supposed to be a yes-man. He was man. A Yeah, I was going
1: to say, yeah, a yeah, yes-man. Very but, much so. And,
0: you know, he did change, and he did become a little bit nicer at the end of Wayne's World, you know? Yes, uh-huh. On this one here, he was just kind of a jerk, you know? He was the one who got yeah. the Ghostbusters committed, Yes. Uh, for saying that ghosts were coming and all that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, but he has played some decent roles. He was, uh, uh, he was the coroner on the TV series, Psych. So, you know, he's kind of made his, he kind of made his rounds there. Uh uh-huh. Now I, I am going to mention this here because I have a little bit of trivia about them later. Uh,
1: uh-huh.
0: William Deutsch, uh, Deutschendorf, I believe that's how you pronounce the last name. And yeah. Hank J. Deutschendorf. They were the, the two Yes, they played as baby Oscar. Yeah, he's uh,
1: so cute. I have to interject. Oh my god, the entire movie. I was like, oh my god, I just wanted to reach through the screen and just pinch his little cheeks and hug him. I was like, Oh, <laughs>
0: so cute. Now see, I, I'm gonna tell you, the first time I saw the film. Uh huh. The fir- very first time I saw the film, I'm like, that is an ugly baby. Now, Did you looking, really? No, Again, you have to understand. I was twelve, okay? Yeah. When yeah. I saw the movie, I was kind of like, "That's an ugly baby." <laughs> now I can kind of go, okay, you know, I, I've seen ugly babies. Oh, I mean, I've seen yeah, some real, yeah. oh, <laughs> yes, yes. He's he's okay. He's not bad looking. So you know, he wasn't oh, a bad looking baby. Oh, so, so
1: cute. I just, oh, I I loved how chill and what a good baby. You know, well, of course it was played by twins, but yeah, yeah. I just you know very rare you know, cried at the appropriate times and was otherwise just kinda of go with the flow and you know, didn't seem to be mind you know, to mind being held by a you know, I pay attention to this as a mom, you know. Oh, yeah. Um very kickback babies. Just yeah. you know, kind of went with the flow. But I I wonder if they do any other acting. Have they been in anything else?
0: You know, I didn't bother to look up really
1: Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah. It
0: wouldn't surprise me if they did, but then again they may have yeah. said, Oh mom, we don't want to do this you know.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. Now, last couple here that I'm going to bring up here, we had uh, Wilhelm von Homburg as Vigo the Carpathian. He was the guy that you actually saw on screen. Okay. Yeah. Now, little thing about this, they did not like his voice at all when he no. actually started talking. So they're like, nope. like, no. They ended up having his voice dubbed back in by a guy named Max von Sydow. Uh, oh really? Yeah. So Max Max did all the lines here for Vigo, uh, huh? which I think was okay. The, I I liked the persona that they had for Vigo the Carpathian. This is one of the few yeah. things in the film that I liked. Uh-huh. It was it was creepy enough and scary enough to me with the looks and the piercing eyes that they had from him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, that was spot on for the film. I think that was good choice.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. else about the film.
0: Eh, I, I could have left yeah. it, you know.
1: They dubbed his voice, really? Yes. yes. Oh, be damned. Huh.
0: Uh, now, the, the other person that they dubbed the voice in on here was the guy who was making the noise as a Slimer. All that was done by oh, yeah. the producer, Ivan Reitman. I'll be
1: darned. Uh-huh. So,
0: a little nod there. And then, of course, we do have a couple of other notable cameos that showed up in the film.
1: I uh, noticed. I'm going to see if you bring them up. Yep.
0: Bobby Brown who showed up as a doorman at the mayor's Gracie mansion.
1: I did not catch that.
0: Yeah. He was really? he, when they when they pull up and, and uh, he asked me, he Oh, Hey, you're the ghostbusters. Hey, can you guys slip me one of them proton packs? My kid brother would really like one.
1: That was Bobby Brown.
0: That was Bobby Brown.
1: I totally did not catch that. I'll be darned. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, then, of course, you have Bill Murray's brother, Brian Doyle Murray.
1: Yes. He yes. showed up as the
0: psychiatric doctor in the <laughs> mental hospital.
1: And it was so funny, too, because we've covered him in other movies. I knew exactly who that was. I was like, that's Brian Doyle Murray. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Um,
0: and then, of course, Cheech Marin shows up, too. I, I, yes. I, I love Cheech. At the I, yard. Yes. I love him, too. You know, so yep. I, I saw him like, hey, what Cheech Marin doing in the film? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just a brief little, yeah. Yeah. You Very know. cool. So I, I thought
0: that was cool. I was like, okay, you know, so
1: yeah.
0: Uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll move into the plot here. Uh, now, with the plot, pretty basic. It kind of picks up, as you mentioned before, about five years after uh, what happened in the first one. It takes yep. place kind of right after Christmas. I mean, like when the film starts, it's, it's like right before Christmas here. Um, yep. And they're building towards the new year. Uh, yeah. And it, it's kind of everything's happened from the whole saving the demi saving New York from the demigod Gozer. Uh, Ghostbusters are sued for property damage they caused. They're mm-hmm. barred from investigating the supernatural again, and they're forced out of business.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, we see it. We come back. We see Ray, who owns an occult bookstore. Uh, yeah, he kind of works with Winston doing children's parties as Ghostbusters.
1: You oh, that know. was hilarious. Oh, in the yeah. very first scene, I laughed out loud where they're doing the, you know, trying to put the, you know, the Ghostbusters theme song and be yeah. all cool. And the kids are just like, He-Man! Yeah, here you go! He-Man! Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh,
0: you know, so they I got left. that. Uh, Egon's working in a laboratory conducting experiments into human emotion, which that was mm-hmm. kind of funny because, you know, again, coming from somebody who's very stoic and Spock-like.
1: Yeah. That's uh, a good way to describe him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And then you have Peter, who's hosting a pseudo-psychic television show, which I I got the attitude as he's watching it, you know, as he's doing this whole film of, really? Really, you get these assholes next to me?
1: Oh, I know. It was so, yeah, it was spot on in terms of, oh, my God, am I really doing this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And then, of course, we see that uh, Dana Barrett, she's got a son, Oscar. Uh, She's got an ex-husband. She's working at the Manhattan Museum of Art doing – uh, painting restorations, and that's kind of where we see Janusz. Mm-hmm. Uh, very beginning of the film when she's walking down the road. You know, she's walking down the sidewalk. The stroller stops, and all of a sudden you see the stroller start rolling out,
1: oh, gets out in the traffic. Out of me. Oh, oh my yeah. god! I my heart stopped watching that. I mean, I knew that nothing was going to happen. Yeah. But just oh my god! It just it put me in a panic. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: you know, and I kind of knew when I saw that, that nothing was going to happen too. And I was kind of like, okay, where's this going? Now, yeah. I, I remember that as okay. a kid. I'm like, okay, so the ghosts are taking over the carriage and the ghosts are trying to scare them. Cool. Yeah. You know, and that's what I thought as a kid when I first saw it. I'm like, okay, this, you know, I mean, it, it's it's the creepy. First
1: introduction to, yeah, the first introduction of the ghost coming back into Dana's life was, yeah. Yeah taking the kid oh yeah that scared the jesus out of me so of course you know when that happens she turns to the ghostbusters and says hey
0: guys can you possibly look into it now again being that they're barred from doing any investigations they're having to do all this on the sly Mm. Uh, so they're they're doing things like they're pretending to be uh you know street workers edison workers you know yeah uh, try and bust up the street and see what's under it yeah um, and of course, we find out while all this is going on here, while they're doing all the investigations, uh, we kind of find out about uh, Janusz, and he's indoctrinated by the spirit of Vigo the Carpathian, who happens to be trapped inside a painting that they are restoring at the Museum of Art. Yeah. Uh, Vigo orders Janusz to find a child that Vigo can possess, and of course, Janusz goes, I know the perfect kid, Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so. He's trying to get he's trying to get the kid pulled in, uh, while they're going through and they're trying to investigate why the child was being, uh, while while why Oscar's carriage was rushing through the streets of New York, uh, mm. they discover that there is a huge river of pink slime that's flowing through yes. an abandoned subway below New uh, York.
1: Uh, yeah, that was one of the what the fuck moments for me. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I mean.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing is that I can understand how that could happen because New York City actually had a pneumatic subway that was built beneath the city. And they were going through and they were trying to find pipes. And this is probably 30 years ago, 35, 40 years ago. They were actually trying to find and build pipes that were broken down there. And they actually broke through into the tunnel where this pneumatic subway was. They didn't remember that it was there. It had been lost to history. So all of a sudden they find the subway and they're like, what the hell? And and so they start looking into research and finding old papers. And it turns out that they remembered, you know, they found out about this pneumatic subway that this guy had built to have down there. And there was this whole, you know, intricate lobby that had all the tile and everything, but they had sealed it off because when he had built the subway, when the guy who built the subway and put it in, he didn't actually have the right to be able to do that. He oh, just kind really? of did it himself. And then New York goes, "Ah, uh, yeah, we're not going to give you any money for this. We're not going to give any licensing, shut it down. Yeah. So, you know, they sealed yeah. it all up. So I can understand how the river of slime might've, you know, might've been there, especially considering that they said that this reverse slime was being built up by the hatred of New York, you know, and mm-hmm. let's face it. You live on the East coast. You know what the attitude of the people is over there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: I can totally see how, you know, they could build off of that, you know, at the you know, New Yorker attitudes are supposed to be really nasty. Now
1: they, yeah, everyone's hustle and bustle. Get out of my way. There's no room for, you know, trying to explain yourself. It's just, you're in my way, get out of the way, you know, and there's kind of a mutual understanding that, you know what, um, one of the first things I noticed was, you know, I'm I'm, I'm in Connecticut, um, and where I'm at, it's actually, there's a, a, quite a mix of people because it's a military area, so there's Coast Guard and Navy, and so because of that, I don't see it or get that as much, um, but I do still kind of feel like a fish out of water, you know, growing up on the West Coast and coming here. There's enough differences to where it's noticeable, but I've been to Boston, and Boston was very, I don't want to say rude but definitely the people are blunt Um, it's it's a
0: definite change from the west coast we know that here on the west coast absolutely i don't want to say more of a laid back because you drive on southern california freeways you know southern california freeways are crazy as it is Uh, yeah but there is more
1: accepting yeah there is a different
0: attitude for the east coast
1: (laughs) absolutely and i will say that, you know, I've experienced some things firsthand that just kind of was like, it was very off-putting. They're very direct. They're very blunt, uh, to the point, uh, and, and can very well be rude. Um, but it's just, you know, maybe it's unintentional. It's just, it's so hustle and bustle and fast paced and appearances are very important. But what I thought was you know, kind of ballsy of them was how they portrayed New York in that bad of a light. I, I really was kind of shocked. Well, that that does turn around,
0: and they they are they were trying yeah. to do that. And part of the reason for that was that there really was a push at that time to kind of make New York a warmer place. And they were trying to show that hey, New York oh. is not that bad. They were really this was actually part of the New York City of Tourism, you know, or uh, oh. uh, New York City's tourism board was that they were trying to put New York into a better light. So that's why they were offering getting people to come in and see this. Uh, I I understand what they were trying to do here. They did repaint themselves as a better light, and you do see that here. But with Ray, because he was was seeing all the slime down there with all the negative attitudes as he goes to get pulled out of the sewers or from the subway line where this is, he accidentally causes a citywide blackout for all this, which – we actually do need to make mention of because when that happens, it's what throws them into the courtroom with the judge. And mm-hmm. they've got the slime sitting there on the desk and the, you know, the judge is basically trying to throw the book at him and yell at them. And I don't believe in ghosts or anything like this. And all of a sudden, boom, out of the slime explodes two ghosts that he sentenced to death.
1: Yeah, And they yeah. come back
0: to haunt his courtroom and they want to kill him and all this. And it's kind of like, okay, he that says, scene,
1: that scene too. I was like, how the how the judge was yelling like that. I was like, that's so over the top. The oh yeah, like that? Do they? I was like, really? That's yeah. the kind
0: of thing. Now, I mean, I understand that judges can get away with a lot because they're judges and they're voted in, and that's it. You know, the voters have to vote yeah. them out. Yeah. So it's not like they can get fired necessarily.
1: Yeah, but
0: it's- at the same time, come on, you know. I mean, it's it's. It was getting a little much.
1: Angry, it was a little much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, uh, but you know, he's, he was found, you know, the Ghostbusters, he finds them guilty of investigating the supernatural uh, at, just before they're getting ready to get taken away. All this courtroom stuff happens. They, the judge says, you know what? I'm going to dismiss all the charges. Let you go. Save my ass. Save mm-hmm. me from those ghosts. And they do. They do exactly that. they resume the Ghostbusting business. Uh, yeah. And, of course, right after they start back into business, the slime invades Dana's apartment, tries to attack her and Oscar. She flees mm-hmm. to Peter and says, my God, you've got to help us. You've got to save me. You know, Peter says, stay here at my apartment. You know, we'll watch you and all this. I'll I'll investigate your apartment and find out what's going on with the slime. Yeah. Um, they start playing around with the slime. And, uh, while Peter and Dana go out to dinner together. Egon, Ray, and Winston start really exploring the underground river of slime. Uh, Mm -hmm. They get pulled in. They learn the flow of the slime goes directly below the museum. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters say, you know, look, we've got to go to the mayor about this. We've got to let him know. Jack Hardemeyer, the mayor's assistant, uh, says, you know what, I'm going to have you committed to a psychiatric hospital. I don't want, (sighs) you know, I want to protect the mayor from all of your interests so, so he can run for governor. Cause that was his next thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, while all that goes on, you know, all in the background, uh, Janusz is Janusz has a spirit that ends up coming and stealing Oscar away and oh. flits him off to the museum. Uh, so Dana goes ahead and she says, you know what? I'm going to go there. I'm going to get to the museum find out what's going on. Now, all mm-hmm. this is happening. This is what kills me is that all this happens in the period of one night apparently because there's no possible way that they oh. can do this they get there and it's new year's eve that the, all this happens yeah
1: yeah it was a very yeah which is kind of not yeah you know it not just it,
0: i i get why they did the whole new year's eve thing so that they could have everybody from times square and all that showing up yes. and having yes. all those people but
1: mm-hmm. it was kind of
0: like okay really
1: yeah, and I have to say too, uh how they had the baby on the ledge before the you know Yanish ghost snatched him up. Right. I right. oh, and I know that that was not real, but that really bothered me. I was like it it scared the bejesus out of me. Again, just like the carriage scene with the baby. I'm you know, I'm a mom of 3 and I yeah. It it, it made my Heart race. I was, I was upset. I was well, like, the, they that's had, what it they was had supposed to
0: do though. So I will, I will yeah, give it that.
1: That's true. But I'm like, Oh God, couldn't they have done something else where maybe the baby was inside, you know, maybe they could move the cradle near the window maybe, and then have him swoop down in the window and get the baby. I just, it, yeah, it really, it really bothered me. Yeah. So, I mean, From a mom perspective, yeah. you know, that's that's my that's my interjection. I it think was... that they could have done it where you know, but yeah, it's and then, of course you know the Janusz ghost it was cheesy as hell. You know, oh. I think wasn't it wasn't the ghost dressed like a woman or something? it, yeah. it looked real weird. Oh yeah, it, it, that <laughs> was something <laughs> that bothered
0: me as well because like okay, when I saw it, I was like, is that supposed to be? And she says, "Oh, that was Janusz. and I'm like, "That was him?" I mean, I, I just thought it was a really yeah. ugly woman. But you know,
1: yeah, and that was something I'm like, why did they do that? Unless the Yanish was supposed to be like the mother of, it was per, supposed to be portraying the mother of Vigo. Vigo was it? vigor Vigo?
0: Vigo the Carpathian.
1: Vigo, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that was what he was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the mother carrying off the baby to, but yeah, it, it just uh, the whole scene was just like, what the? Yeah, hell? it was <laughs>
0: it was goofy, and I just that was one thing that bothered me, you know. And then, of course, the next thing about this film that really bothered me, that kind of irritated me, was that they do this whole well, you know, New York is so down on itself and this river slime, we just can't turn ourselves around from it. You know, we got to get everybody feeling good about themselves and feeling positive. Uh Uh huh. This is where it kind of got stupid. Now, they go and they take, they've been experimenting with the pink slime before. They say, you know, we need a symbol we've got to have this symbol that we can get all the New Yorkers to get behind in a positive manner. So what do yep. they do? They take and they spray this pink slime on the inside uh-huh. of the statue of Liberty. Yes. Okay. Come yeah. On. Come on. Really? really. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh-huh. You know, So they,
0: they do that. They play music. They get the statue of Liberty to start walking and they control the statue of Liberty with, as I mentioned at the very beginning, an NES advantage joystick.
1: Okay, that's the link of for your little hint there, okay, yeah, it
0: was I was really kind of frustrated with this. It just this was you know i I get that they were trying to do something nice and trying to get everybody behind everything, but yeah the Statue of Liberty just did not work for me at all. I mean, when I first saw the movie as a kid, mm-hmm. I kind of went, oh cool, the Statue of Liberty's come to life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like but, the Safe Huff Marshmallow Man. I remember thinking, "Oh, how cool is that?" You yeah. know, special effects and everything. Being new and being a kid and you know, full of wonder and yeah, yeah. Now I look at it, it's like, "Oh, this is so cheesetastic." Oh, it's- <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just bad. <laughs> uh, but you know, they yeah. they use all this. They use the energy to break into the impenetrable slime outside of the mm-hmm. museum. Uh, yeah. They get in, yeah. the Ghostbusters. See Vigo, who's trying to get into Oscar's body. Mm-hmm. They shoot him with their proton packs. Uh, outside, it goes to midnight. Everybody starts singing "Auld Lang sign. and mm-hmm. Vigo starts getting weakened. And they're like, "Okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna free up the Ghostbusters. We do this." They shoot Vigo, and Vigo says, "I'm going to possess somebody." He possesses Ray. Yeah. Why he chose Ray? I, you know, I understand that he and Ray kind of had this whole mental link at the very beginning. Uh, yeah, the, they, where he was, was staring
1: like, at him, and that could be why. That could. But be
0: why. still, I'm like, really. <laughs> you
1: yeah. Know? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and then of course, what do they do? They shoot Ray with all the slime. They shoot him with proton yeah. packs. Boom! Yeah. Vigo dies. Uh, destroys him. And this is what bothers me the most about this film of how cheesy it was. Uh Uh-huh. Was that picture. Yes. disappears from the painting. And we see that whole renaissance piece of crap that they did with.
1: The cheesy painting of the guys with the baby. Was Dana in that or was it just the guys with the baby? No, that was 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 the other thing.
0: Dana wasn't in it at all. It was the Ghostbusters and Oscar as like the prodigal son.
1: Yeah, I thought that was weird too. I was like, um, where the hell is the mother and why the hell are they dressed like that? What yeah. the hell? Unless that was meant – the thought occurred to me, maybe did Dana paint that? I, no. I don't know. No, don't, no it was no. all because
0: I, they it had changed. Dana was still out cold. She was, you know, she was, uh, she was out cold from all this trying to hide and, and save Oscar. Oscar. There's no yeah. way she could have painted that in that short a time. It just showed no. up as like this whole – you know, magical thing kind of thing from them vanquishing yeah, like, yeah. Vigo. And I was just like,
1: yeah, really? that was weird. That was kind of, yeah, that was a very weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unnecessary it was
1: part to put in there.
0: Very much so. Mm hmm. Uh, but I mean, that's, this is why I'm, you know, I ripped this film apart. It was not anywhere near as good. Now, I will admit that I did like it for what it was because it was Ghostbusters and I was on the Ghostbusters bandwagon having been watching you know the real Ghostbusters cartoon uh, when I was a kid and this was all right before the real Ghostbusters you know or uh, real Ghostbusters was going on while Ghostbusters 2 was being filmed. So I get that I pull that link I understand that but did I like it? No.
1: I think I enjoyed it more as a kid than watching it. And of course I, I saw it when it first came out. So 25 years later watching it, it, it just, it, yeah, it just doesn't yeah. work. But as a kid, because yeah, like, like you, I was on the Ghostbusters bandwagon. So it's like, yeah. I, you know, I was, and I was still you know filled with, Oh, how did they do that? How did, you know, the special effects were foreign to me. I had no idea how, you know, and they still yeah. in some aspects are, but I just, yeah, I looked at it from a completely innocent and curious um and less sophisticated frame of mind now i'm looking and going what the fuck what the fuck you know this is so this is so dumb this is so cheesy what the fuck but so but again because of the nostalgia factor that's what keep that's what kept me from completely hating the movie um but yeah there's a lot of uh,
0: (laughs) yeah Now, a couple things that we we will do here. I I know I hated this movie, but I'm going to go ahead. (laughs) I want to do it because I just remembered this now. I should have done it after Uh the cast. But I want to do our Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game for this to show you that I can link anybody from this cast to Kevin Bacon.
1: Okay.
0: So pick
1: somebody from the cast. I'm going to see if I – okay, you know what? I'm going to pick the baby.
0: Okay. So we've got Henry and William Duschendorf. They were in this film with Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Dan Aykroyd was in Dragnet with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was with Kevin Bacon in Apollo 13.
1: Good. Very good. Oh, let me think of another one. The actor who played Vigo.
0: Okay. So let me look at my cast list here to remember his name. Uh, Wilhelm von Homburg again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me go back to Dan Aykroyd in this film.
1: Yeah, there you, you know, go. Th-
0: you just you link it to that, and that's the that's the easiest, shortest way. I mean there's there's other ways I could go with actually, I could go even one less. Mm-hmm. I could go straight to Bill Murray, who was with Kevin Bacon in Wild Things.
1: There you go. So
0: even shorter.
1: Go. Yes. Damn you're good.
0: <laughs> See, it's it's one of these things you have to start thinking about it and just getting your head going for it. So, uh, uh
1: yeah, there's a definite pattern and I'm still learning how to. Yeah,
0: you'll figure it out. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm getting the picture. You're starting with the movie that that, that particular actor is in and, and picking any actor from that and. Yeah, I, I'm starting to see it kind of come together in my head. So I'm hoping I get better as we keep doing this.
0: And, and I'll be honest, this one I did not have to look up at all just because I knew it. No. I, I'm going to be honest that when we get to next week's, and we'll discuss that when we come to next week's, I did a little bit of research for that one because that was a little bit of a tougher link.
1: Yes, yes. So
0: – but anyway, moving on here, uh, I have some trivia. How about you? Have you got anything on this I one? have a
1: – I ha- I do. I do. But I'll – yeah, you go first.
0: Oh, no. I want you to start. Go ahead.
1: Oh, OK. um Let me see. Well, actually, one of the things that you we had already mentioned was Brian Doyle, Doyle Murray, which is Bill Murray's brother, so mm-hmm. I did notice that. Um, did you notice the – there was a scene where the ghosts were kind of coming out full force and scaring the people on the streets, and there was a movie theater with a big billboard? And yes. the movie was called Cannibal Girls, and it showed Eugene Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and I was not sure why they put Eugene Levy in, like what if that was a nod to him for some reason? But well, I don't I don't know if that was an actual movie. Was that an actual movie that came yes, out? Yes, actually, time? it
0: was. It was the reason oh. that Cannibal Girls showed up in this film. It was a nod to Ivan Reitman because that was his oh. one of his first films as a director okay
1: Okay. I wondered what the link was there because I'm like okay that's kind of you know they've focused on it for a minute you know and I was like okay there's either either they're nodding to Eugene Levy or to the movie itself but I did notice that Um, I'm trying to think what else do I have here Uh, oh did you notice like at the beginning of the movie um when they're going to the birthday party or whatever and the the uh, ghost mobile is just a piece of shit and then after Uh the business got revived you know they they pan in on the car again and it's all like nice and shiny and like looking brand new i thought that was kind of cute yeah it was like okay so yeah they could see that obviously the business was done and yeah the car was just destroyed and (laughs) well funny you should mention
0: that because that actual car that that destroyed car that you see there at the very beginning uh uh, i actually just read about this maybe two days ago uh from when this podcast is being recorded here uh Mm -hmm. there is hemming's um hemming's machines or hemming's motor news had an article about that specific car apparently it is headed for the crusher they want to crush this car, and people are trying to save it. People are trying to buy the car out so that they can oh, fix really? the car up because it is one of the actual on-screen cars. But apparently the studios yeah. just wants to get rid of it,
1: okay. which is like, okay,
0: sell it to somebody. Somebody wants that piece of movie movie memorabilia.
1: Don't oh, yeah. crush it,
0: please. Yeah, no way. Yeah. You know, yeah, the movie sucked, but come on. Somebody wants that car. Somebody's going to make that out to be an Ectomobile.
1: Oh, totally. It's, yeah, I'll be darned.
0: You know, so oh. I was, I saw that. I was like, oh, really? But I yeah. I, I wanted to bring that up because I just happened to see that. And since you mentioned that the piece, the thing was like, you know, beat up and basically it like was a POS. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of cool, and then you see the car again after they, you know, have the money and the business is going again, and and yeah. that was something, too, that bothered me, the continuity of it. It's like they were so, you know, revered and everything in the first one. Did the ghost activity just not happen for that five-year period? The ghost just disappeared, and then all of a sudden, boom, they pop back up. That was something that just, to me, didn't get really explained. It's like, okay, so was it calm for the last, you know, for the five years? No ghost yeah. activity at all, and the business just died, and then why did it start back up again? It, they didn't really do a good job explaining why five years later the ghost activity started up again. I thought that was kind of a weird – I can put you know, forth my it, theories on it. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: My theories are this, is that basically when they destroyed Gozer, a lot of the ghost energy, the PKE energy went off. You know, It, it vanished. It was dissipated, and then it slowly started building up because you have to remember that, again, this – the, this bit was brought on by Vigo's painting showing up in Manhattan Museum of Art.
1: Oh, that's right, because it had, it was new to the museum when it. Oh, right. okay. so there was that. Plus, okay. there was the river of
0: there was the river of slime that was being caused by which, the negative,
1: which maybe had been building over the previous five years because it, yes. it was like a lot. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so. it just kind of that was the one thing. I was just like. Uh, they yeah. kind of jump right into this five years later. What's what's the explanation? But yeah, yeah. and, I, I, and I, again,
0: I, those are my theories. You know, it's yeah, my opinions. And like I've said, <laughs> opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and they all stink. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um Other than that, um I just have memorable quotes that you know struck out at me. So go ahead and do your trivia, and we can maybe. Okay. do quotes.
0: Well, I have a couple. Is that. When we see the Titanic showing up there in New York,
1: yeah. originally
0: yes. that was going to be the crashed Hindenburg. They were going to have that appear as a ghostly oh, airship really. flying over New York because the Hindenburg oh, really? had actually docked at in New York before. And they, they were actually – that was one of the things about the Empire State Building was that originally it was supposed to be a spot where the, where the uh, blimps would come in and dock problem yeah. with this is that you had so much wind coming off the skyscrapers that it was actually blowing the blimps up to where they were almost standing on their noses.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, there's pictures. If you go and you look from like the 1920s, 1930s, when airships were first starting to become big things, you can actually see the wind where these things were moored at the at the uh, like Empire State Building and whatnot, and they're standing almost straight up. It's oh, absolutely terrifying when you think about it. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's, you know, oh. really, that was kind of what the concept was going to be. But they decided instead, rather than doing the Hindenburg, because there's still such a bad vibe about the Hindenburg,
1: they yes. said, you know what? Yes. We'll
0: do the Titanic instead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very uh, cool. Now, a couple of things here. Uh, when you see Egon and he's starting to look up information about Vigo in his computer database – uh, Vigo's full name is listed as Vigo von Humberg Duschendorf. Okay.
1: Oh, now so cool. the actor who
0: plays Vigo, his name is Wilhelm von Humberg.
1: The uh, twins who play uh, Oscar
0: are William T. Duschendorf,
1: Duschendorf
0: and Henry J. Duschendorf.
1: So they took the names from the actors. Mm-hmm. Oh, how cool. Now,
0: the other thing is yeah. that I found this out. The twins they are the nephew of deceased singer John Denver.
1: No kidding. Yep. Yep. Oh wow!
0: They are ah. his nephews. So, and his his oh. real name, John Denver's real name was Henry J. Deutschendorf the first.
1: I was just gonna say, was his you know that just a stage name? Oh, be darned! Yep. yep. Very cool. Uh huh. So. A little tidbit I there. I wonder no. how they. Yeah, I wonder how they came across the babies. Like, was is the mother? Maybe the mother is John Denver's sister. I wonder how that came about, because that's kind of a, an interesting. Maybe it was just an interesting coincidence. Who knows?
0: They might have been by the casting director or something, and the casting director said that's yeah. perfect, and you know, here we yeah. go. Let's use these kids. Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now couple of Um, other things that i have here uh the cameo appearance of slimer we see him yeah uh it was that was actually prompted that in by the fact that in the years between the two films we had that Uh whole cartoon series the real ghostbusters uh yeah that basically introduced to everybody that slimer was living there at the firehouse kind of as the ghostbusters pet Uh, oh really okay Now, uh-huh. because the original film and the cartoon series were so popular with kids, they uh-huh. said, ah, you know, let's go ahead and put Slimer back in the film. And they did. And it,
1: oh, I wondered about that. Okay. Because yeah, he showed up as didn't. a bus driver, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was that was that the only scene he was in? I, that's all I remember him being in. Is, the, is there, in was, that bus there was one Lewis? other
0: scene where Lewis walks into he, – he first walks into the firehouse.
1: firehouse. And mm-hmm. he
0: sees Slimer sitting there at the desk and, like, tearing stuff up and throwing stuff up into his mouth.
1: Oh. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And he kinda
0: got freaked out and was kinda like, oh who kind of thing, you know?
1: That's that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Which is because so, cool, yeah, he was kind of a cute looking ghost. I mean all the other ones were kinda scary, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they
0: made him a little bit more warm and fuzzy for this film. I, uh-huh. I still was like, okay, you know what, I'm done with this. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just it I It's I, enough. Really, it was. I I didn't care much for Slimer in the cartoon shows. I mean, he was there. I know why he was there, but it was kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's basically what I have here for trivia. Uh, You said you had some memorable quotes. Fire away.
1: Yeah. Yes. I love, I mean, most of them, I think, if not all of them are from Bill Murray's character. Um, Let me see. Um, Well, first of all, I want to mention just I love, you know, I I had mentioned earlier about the chemistry between Vankman and Dana. Uh And I thought they pulled, that was one thing for me that did work in the movie. I felt that Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray really did have a chemistry. I loved how Vankman was with the baby. He was so sweet and funny with the baby. I thought, oh my gosh, it was just, I I really enjoyed seeing the interactions between the baby and, and Bill Murray. I thought that was really cute. Um, just the way he would, you know, play, you know, talk to him. And one of the scenes was, uh, after the bathtub scene with the pink goo and they go over to Bill Murray's house, you know, they go over to Venkman's house and, you know, he gets a uh, a t-shirt for him and he's talking to him and, um, Dana says something like, well, it's time to put him to bed. I really should put him to bed. <laughs> and, and he says, well, can I put him down? And and Dana's like, sure. And then he looks at him and he's like, you're short. Your belly button sticks out too far. You're a terrible burden to your poor mother. And the baby just mm. kind of smiles, you know, and it, I just thought that was so cute the way that he interacted with the baby. I was like, Oh, and then another scene, Oscar named after a hot dog. <laughs> you poor <man>. yes. girl. <laughs> that was great. Um, I'm trying to think what other scenes. Um, let me see if I wrote them down. Oh, when Dana was there and she had picked up, and he comes home and he's like, "Honey, where? You know, I'm home." Type of thing. And he he notices that she had cleaned, and then they're in the bedroom and he's like, "Did you see some shirts?" And she's like, yeah, I put them in the hamper. And he's like, I have a hamper. And he goes in there and he's like, he's like weeding through the shirts. And then she's like, she's like, yeah, I thought they were dirty. That's why I put them in there. And he's like, "Uh, let me explain something to you. You know, I have many levels of laundry. And what, what struck me about that now as an adult watching it is that my husband has the exact same thing. He'll put his shirts on the ground, not in our hamper. He'll put them next to the hamper. And I'll be in there and I'll be like, you know, trying to, you know, gather laundry to do. And I'll be like, okay, honey, you know, these clothes aren't in the laundry basket. You know, are they dirty? And he'll like sniff them and he'll be like, yeah, this one's fine. This I is do fine. that to my so, wife. What's wrong with that?
0: <laughs> I'll pull out a pair of pants and you know, go,
1: hey, they're not standing by themselves. They're fine. They're clean. Exactly. And that's what struck me is just like, you know, I have many levels of laundry, many subtle levels. You know, and he picks up a shirt and he's like. He's hanging us outside for twenty minutes. It'll be fine. Yeah. And He walks off with the shirt, and I was cracking up because I'm like, "Oh my god, my husband does the exact same thing." <laughs> but man, like, if it doesn't stink, you know, it's still good. It's still good, but just the fact of not putting the laundry—you know—putting it next to the hamper. You know, my husband constantly do, does that, or he'll throw his trash on the ground instead of getting up and walking five steps to the garbage can. It's like, why? You know, is it is it to tease me? I don't know. But it just it was something that struck me. I was like, that's so cute. I have many levels of laundry. Yes. Um so, you know, that l- little domestic scene there was really cute. Um I'm trying to think. Uh now, see oh, one, of my... scene after...
0: uh-huh. uh, one of my favorites I have to remember is when they were first walking with the Statue of Liberty And they're going, oh, we got to go faster. Well, we can't go faster because it'll shake her apart. You know, she's not wearing Nikes. Sorry.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, There was another. Oh, the scene with Dan Aykroyd, because he had gotten sprayed by the goo, right? Uh Towards the end, he got slimed. And then of course, he wakes up, and it was kind of reminiscent of Wayne's World to me, where he wakes up and he's like, "I love you, man," and you know talking yeah. to Lewis and to everyone else, "I love you guys. You know, this, this is a great friendship, and I, I love you guys." So that, that kind of actually, that was before Wayne's world, wasn't it?: uh, um, No, actually, it was after) it, it was after Wayne's World. So I don't know if that was like a nod to Wayne's World, how he responded. Oh, you know, you know, I, No, I'm love sorry. You.
0: 89, and then Wayne's World was like 92. 90, 92, that's right. Yeah. So never mind. I'm yeah. backwards. So
1: may, I don't know if maybe they took that and put it into Wayne's World or if it was just a coincidence, but that was what struck me as like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, Wayne's World. I it, love you. You man. know,
0: it might have been something that maybe Kurt Fuller suggested because he was in both. It,
1: so he was in both. So that's the link there. It's very possible. Um, and then I loved, you know, I could not stand Janish's uh, character. I, yeah. <laughs> creeped me out. He, but yeah.
0: Peter McNichol actually developed all of that here. He actually sat back in his trailer and he came up with that whole accent. He even devised a flag for uh, Carpathia uh, oh, really? where it was he a snake a stepping on a human.
1: Oh wow. He pulled it off very well as being a creepy. Yeah. He, I could I could see how he could have been possessed by the painting and so maybe and he definitely pulled it off the creepy factor. But I thought it was funny at the end after cuz he got slime too and then he wakes up oh, and yeah. why am I zipping with goo? Yeah. I just
0: I mean <laughs> he he committed to it. I will give him that. He committed and he stuck with it, but I didn't like the character. <laughs>
1: I didn't like the character either, but yeah, he did pull it off. And then that weird ass accent, but I I thought the funny scene, you know, why am I dripping with goo? I I can't, but (laughs) I thought that was cute. Um, And I'm, I have a question. Do you know what the hell that pink slime was made of? Do you know what the hell that was? I was looking at it and I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, it looks like, not silly putty, but I was like, "What could it have been? Jello? Could it have been?"
0: I think it I was jello that. to some extent. I th- I think that there were several different uh, consistencies of it because I know that the stuff that was sitting on the uh, desk in the courtroom that looked it more looked- like corn syrup with some with some pink coloring. It in did.
1: It. it did. And I and I was a preschool teacher for many years, and I've made something called gak and flubber. And uh-huh. it looked very reminiscent to me of being either GAC or flubber. I think GAC is typically more li- like liquidy. Um, uh, flubber is more like you can, you know, really manipulate it and it can bounce. And, and I've made right. both. I was looking at that. I'm like, I wonder if they, and you make it with borax and, and, and glue. And I was looking at that. I'm like, I wonder if they made up a concoction kind of like flubber or, uh, or GAC for it or if they- it was gelatin.
0: I think that the stuff that they were spraying on the walls in the in the Statue of Liberty, I think that was yeah.
1: um, corn syrup, or, or I think that soft.
0: might have been the gelatin, because that they, looked a little bit yeah. more solid and looked like it yeah. had a little bit more air in it. Whereas yeah. the stuff that they did on the courtroom scenes that looked more like a corn syrup type consistency.
1: I agree, I agree, and to have that stuff sprayed on the guys, I was like, okay, it has to be something obviously that's not going to hurt them, that you know that yeah. that would taste. That would be okay to ingest, you know, uh, gelatin would be that, you know, but uh, you can't really ingest glue or borax. So I'm thinking, what the hell did they use for the slime? I'm yeah. kind of curious if any of our listeners know what the hell that was because
0: it just, yeah.
1: it was like, huh.
0: If you guys do it's know, like, please write in, tell us. We'll be happy to put, yeah. you know, post it up on the air, put, you know, write it up on our Facebook page. Let us know.
1: Yeah, because it, like you said, it did look different depending on where it was used in the scene. Like it looked like corn syrup in one scene. It looked like foam or gelatin in another. It looked like, you know, Gak or, you know, Flubber in another. It just – it did not – it was not consistent. So I was just kind of yeah. curious what the it was. Um, and I think that's all I have for – yeah, That's pretty, what pretty much I what I have here
0: book. as well. Uh, I, I think we're pretty much done. So we'll go ahead and sign off here. Uh, okay. That pretty much wraps it up for this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, you can send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. I
1: am at of 3 cgirls
0: Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Uh, you can also visit our website at mygenerationpodcast.com. So please, please leave us notes. Uh, I've been seeing some feedback here coming in. Uh, I know I got some today here from our, from posts that I made here. I I try to put up something uh, at least once a week here to kind of announce what's coming up for the next week. Uh, And then of course we have our episodes up there that you can listen to. And we actually have all of our episodes going all the way back to episode one on our website. So if you guys want to go and listen to it there, You can if you're missing out on any of the episodes that aren't showing up on Stitcher or on iTunes. iTunes. Very cool. So we're going to go ahead and sign off this episode here. Uh, I actually found a song here for the theme song for Ghostbusters 2. It was done by Run DMC. It's the the Ghostbusters 2 song that they actually did for this. So we're going to go ahead and sign off with this song here. And I hope you guys enjoy.
1: I'm a jerk, and I
0: just left my boys. The kids at school, and I'm no fool, and I got no time to waste. So you get up the call, but you trip and call, and you try to leave the place. Now, it's no dream because you've seen a shadow in the night. But we will come and get it done. No don't worry,
1: save your fright. Now, there's a group who likes the truth, and you know you can trust us. So don't get nervous, because that your service, the local go.